0: I am at rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I will never be shaken. How long will you threaten a man? Will all of you attack as if he were a leaning wall or a tottering fence? They only plan to bring him down from his high position. They take pleasure in lying. They bless with their mouths, but they curse inwardly. Rest in God alone, my soul, for my hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I will not be shaken. My salvation and glory depend on God, my strong rock. My refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts before him. God is our refuge. Common people are only a vapor, important people an illusion. Together on a scale, they weigh less than a vapor. Place no trust in oppression or false hope in robbery. If wealth increases, don't set your heart on it. God has spoken once. I have heard this twice. Strength belongs to God, and faithful love belongs to you, Lord. For you repay each according to his works. The word of the Lord.
1: Good morning again, everybody. My name's Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. And I want to make sure that I also mention um, that if you are new here, if you're visiting with us, we are so glad uh, that you're here and you're visiting. Uh, I wanted to mention that there is a little card in front of you. It should say, we're so glad you're here because we are so glad that you are here. That little card is our way of reaching out to you uh, so that we might find out not only that you are here, uh, but if you'd be willing to share your information with us. Then we'll get back to you and help you find um, your way into the life of our church, answer any questions you have, and make that connection with you. So I wanted to make sure I mentioned that. You can take that card and put it in the box there at uh, the doorway. So we are in a series on the Psalms called Anatomy of the Soul. The book of Psalms has been called an Anatomy of the Soul because these 150 prayers They cover almost every conceivable human experience, every human emotion. They cover the highest of highs and the lowest of lows that we experience as human beings. I want to ask the kids a question. Kids, I'm going to ask you a few questions throughout this message. Uh, So, this is for the kids K through five. What kind of people should study human anatomy? Anybody want to give us an answer? I'm listening. What kind of people should study human anatomy, the human body? Who's got it? Okay, I'll give it away. I I think I probably uh, heard it being whispered out there. But anybody in the healthcare profession, right, a doctor, a nurse, they should understand how the body works. They have to take human anatomy. If your doctor says to you and you're you're at your appointment, wait, what's the circulatory system again? It has something to do with the heart, right? Then you know it's time for you to get a new doctor (laughs) if they say that. The more that they understand how the body works, the more that they can help people be physically healthy. So why study the anatomy of the soul? Why study the Psalms? Because the more that we understand how the soul works, the more we can become spiritually healthy, spiritually alive. The Psalms are for everyone who wants to know what a real and living relationship with God looks like, what it feels like, and what it sounds like. So far we've looked at how the Psalms speak to our times of failure, our times of sin, our times of stress and trouble, our times of weariness in life, and our times of anger. Today's message is about prayer and our restlessness. Psalm 62 is a psalm written by David, King David. It's about how he went from a soul full of restlessness and anxiety to a soul full of rest and quiet confidence. How did that happen? Well, um, I, I mentioned this already. A few weeks ago on our kids' spring break, we took a road trip to Utah and one thing that I always do when I'm driving, even when I'm in the passenger seat, is I make sure I pay attention to where the rest stops and the rest areas are, because you never know. There might just be an emergency need for a bathroom break, or I might just be going like out of my mind in the car, so we just need to stop and stretch our legs. So I always pay attention uh, to those signs. It's estimated that about 1,500 people per year die due to drivers falling asleep at the wheel, and it makes me wonder how many of those drivers passed right on by a rest area, a rest stop, because they felt like they couldn't stop, they didn't feel like they had the time, they didn't pull off to rest, when they could, tragically, horribly, they were forced to rest and stop. Share that because I think that's a picture of how many of us live. we keep going. Our minds and our hearts are full and restless. We keep driving and driving. Psalm 62 is like a spiritual rest stop. And for those of you this morning, if you're new to Christianity, if you're exploring Christianity, I'm so glad. You're here with us because this psalm takes us straight into the heart of what it means to be a Christian through the theme of rest. So let's look at this spiritual rest stop, Psalm 62. The first thing Psalm 62 gives us is a definition of rest and restlessness. It's found in the very first sentence. Look at verse 1 with me. It's like the topic sentence for the whole psalm, but it's a hard psalm to translate uh, our heart verse to translate from the Hebrew into the English. Literally, Psalm 1 would say something like, In God alone my soul is silence. The ESV translation translates it like this. For God alone my soul waits in silence. And I think our translation, the Christian standard, the CSB, captures the heart and the meaning in English when he says, I It meant rest in God alone. We put all that together, that literal translation and some of the ways it's been translated uh, in in other versions. And I think we can come up with these definitions for rest and restlessness. Rest is the ability to wait in silence. And so restlessness is the inability to wait in silence. To be at rest is to live from an inner calm, an inner quiet, and confidence, no matter what is happening around you. Do you want that? I know I want that. That sounds really good. How do we get there? Well, another question for all of you, uh, for you kids especially, who's really good at waiting quietly in silence? Anybody? Anybody? Any kids really good at waiting quietly in silence? You can raise your hand. Yes, my own son back there in the back. He's so good at it. Well, if you've ever played the quiet game, it's a game adults ask you to play when they don't know what else to do to get just one little moment of peace. And we should, we could start this morning by playing the wait in silence game. It's almost the same thing. And we can do it right now. I want to give you just a few moments to wait in silence. Let's do it now. pretty good. I don't know what thoughts came into your mind. Maybe it was something like, when is this going to end? How long can I be quiet? Some of those things. You know, doctors tell you never, when you have a condition, never uh, go online and Google the symptoms, right? Never go online and start to figure out and start to self-diagnose. But here, I'm going to um, violate that rule and give you some symptoms of a restless, a soul restlessness, and some of those symptoms are a noisy heart. You can't be quiet. You can't quiet the inner commotion that's going on inside. Another symptom would be an anxious mind. You can't stop thinking about what's next. And another symptom would be a busy, over-driven life. You can't sit still. You can't stop. Now that we have our definition We have a little bit of diagnosis. Let's pull into the rest stop. How is it possible to live from an inner calm, quiet, and confidence, no matter what is happening around you? Psalm 62 guides us and tells us how that's possible. First, in verses 1 and 2, if you're following along and taking notes, you'll see uh, this outline printed for you on page 6. First, the psalm tells us where rest is found. That's how it begins. Scholars of the psalms have noticed that that all the psalms follow um, repeated patterns or types. So they've classified the psalms into these categories. One category would be lament. We've looked at some laments. That's the most common of the psalm categories in the 150 psalms. There's psalms of thanksgiving. There's psalms uh, that are called penitential psalms, psalms of confession. There's psalms of wisdom. And there's st- psalms of enthronement, psalms that were written to celebrate uh, the reign of a new king. Those are some of the psalms. Well, what kind of psalm is Psalm 62? It's called a psalm of trust. The most famous psalm of trust is Psalm 23 The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, what's important about these psalms of, 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 of trust, what's important for us to know, is that they are not really written for times. When our faith is strong, they're not written for times when we are living with calm and confidence. They're written for times when we're restless and anxious and noisy and busy. When our faith feels shaky and faint and weak. When do people turn to Psalm 23, the most famous of all psalms? It's not in times of rest, but in times of restlessness. It's the same with Psalm 62. Underneath most of our restlessness and our anxiety is is a question. And that question is what if? Underneath all that noise, underneath all that busyness, we are fraught with these questions. What if this happens? But what if this doesn't happen? What if people don't like me? What if I fail? What if I lose my job? What if I underperform? What if I don't do well on that test? To silence the what-ifs, we need the psalms of trust that remind us of what is. The what-ifs are real. They're legitimate concerns. But there is a bigger reality than all the what-ifs. Psalm 62, 1 and 2 begins with what is. I am at rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I will never be shaken. Rest can be found. Where can it be found? In God alone. This is what is. One of the most Famous Christian thinkers of all time. It's a man named St. Augustine. And in his memoir called The Confessions, written way back in the fourth century, he summed up his whole life story and really all of his theology and what's been called one of the greatest sentences, one of the greatest sentences ever written of all time. And I'll put it up there on the screen for you. He wrote this: You have made us for yourself. This is his prayer to God. And our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. He's saying, the more we lose sight of what is, the more we lose sight of God and how we were made, the more our lives will be ruled by what ifs until we find our way back to what is again. Our hearts are restless. This was true in the fourth century. That's true in the 21st century. The further we move away from how God made us to live, the further we move away from rest. In Genesis 4, we were talking about this this week. Uh, me and, and, and Pastor E.C., we were able to visit the women's Bible study, and there, they were studying Genesis. In Genesis chapter 4, God spoke these words to Cain. As Cain moved further and further away from him, God said, you will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and this is the human condition. But in verses 1 and 2, David says rest can be found, and rest is only found if we have these three things, these three things in all of life's what-ifs. He says God is a rock, God is a stronghold, and God is salvation. Let's talk a little bit about what those things mean. Because David says, this is reality, this is substantive reality, this is what is. God is a rock. That really didn't have any meaning for me growing up in Florida. When I read in the Bible, God is a rock, what I I pictured is is a Florida version of a rock. And I brought one with me this morning for show and tell. This This is a Florida version of a rock. Can you see this? This is actually the biggest rock in Florida. I took it with me. <laughs> just kidding. But this is what I thought of when I, when I thought of a rock. Just those, those were all the rocks I knew. But when I moved to Southern California and I would visit uh, my wife Amelia and, and where she lived in Riverside, I would look up on the hills and there'd be these massive rocks on the hills and I'm like freaking out like, is that going to fall? <laughs> like that's right behind the house. What's, how can you just sit here and be at rest when there's a ch- giant rock? On the hill. I have a picture um, of one of these rocks. There it is. That rock fell. Um, we were in Zion um, National Park. That rock fell, and it, it blocked the road so that nobody's moving down that road or traveling down that road for a long, long time. When God is called a rock, He is that kind of rock, a rock that cannot be moved, a rock that cannot be shaken, If my life is built on him, that rock, it won't move. So God is a rock. That's reality. God is a stronghold. It means God is a stronghold like a castle, like a fortress. Nothing can get past him. If I'm in him, nothing can get to me unless he lets it through. God is a rock, a stronghold, and a salvation. When David said, God is my salvation, he's saying, God is a rescuer. He can get me out of anything. If my life is in trouble, he can and he will get me out of anything. So Psalm 62 begins by saying, there is something solid, something safe, and something to get us out of any trouble and any danger. As we step back and think about that, if that's true, if that is really true, there is a rock, a fortress, a stronghold, a savior. And if we have it, then we would never have to be restless or anxious about anything. David says that's God. That's what is. He is a rock, stronghold, and salvation for all who trust in him. And if we believe these things fully, then we would be 100% at rest all the time where rest is found. David begins by telling us where rest is found, but in verses 3 and 4, we see why he needed to do this, why he needed to remind himself of what is, because his rest was lost, because of all that he was facing. Look at verses 3 and 4 with me. David was being hit from every possible angle with threats and attacks. He was besieged by restlessness. We don't know exactly what the circumstances were, of what was going on, but he describes a situation in these verses in such detail that we know he had very good reason to be restless and anxious. Verse 3, he says, how long will I be threatened? How long will I be attacked? In verse 4, he says, people are planning to bring me down. I might lose my position in life. For him that was king. People I thought were for me, my friends and allies, it turns out they were just pretending. It says they bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. People are pretending to like me, but inwardly they are scheming against me. He says I'm like a leaning wall, a tottering fence. With all these things I'm facing from every angle, I'm weak and I'm wearing down. You see what David was dealing with here in his life? These are all the the big what-ifs that we can face. Seemingly, David is facing all of them at once. Security what-ifs. What if the threats to my well-being succeed? Will I be okay? Status what-ifs. What if I lose my position and my significance as king? Will I still be a somebody? Strength what-ifs. What if I don't have what it takes to make it? I'm just like a fence that's falling down. What if I don't know what to do? What happens when all my walls and my fences fall down and I'm exposed and weak? Our security, our status, our significance, our strength. If any one of these is endangered or threatened, we can't be at rest. If we don't have an answer to the question of what if, Will I be safe? What if? What about my status? What if? Will I be strong enough? If we don't have an answer to those questions, we won't be able to rest. We'll be anxious. We'll be driven. We'll be restless until we find an answer. We have to put these questions to rest so we can be at rest. And here's the thing. Even though David believed at some level what he said about God in verses 1 and 2, in verses 3 and 4, He wasn't experiencing the rest that should come from believing this. He couldn't silence all those what-ifs. He couldn't wait in silence. He believed here what he had said about God. But in here, in his heart, he was full of restlessness and noise and commotion and anxiety. How did he get back to a place of rest? Well, skip down with me to verse 8. In verse 8, David says, here is the lesson that I learned. Verse 8, he says, trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts before him. God is our refuge. This is the lesson that I want to share with you that I learned. First, I needed to admit how restless I was. Not just keep going and going not just think my way out of it, not to deny it, not to keep it all in, not to say, if I was really a true believer, I wouldn't be this restless or anxious. No, I needed to admit it, and I needed to find a safe place to pour out all the what-ifs. I needed to take this restlessness somewhere, and David says, I took it all into God. God is my refuge. I realize he can be trusted at all times, with all the what-ifs. As the message translates, verse 8, God is a safe place to be. Now, Psalm 62 doesn't tell us anything about whether David's circumstances changed. It appears that externally, everything stayed the same in his life, but internally, everything was completely different for David. David pulled into the rest stop, and everything changed. What happened? What happened when he brought all his restlessness to God and poured it all out? He recovered his rest. Verses 5 through 10. David is telling us what he learned in this experience of intense restlessness. And essentially, he said this, this restlessness I experienced, this anxiety... It was actually a gift, and that might sound crazy to you. How was it a gift? It was his restlessness that revealed what he was really trusting in, what he was really hoping in, what he was really depending on, and what he had really set his heart on to find security, to find significance, to find strength. The next section of Psalm 62, verses 5 through 10, are set in contrast by a series of key words. I want to show you these these key words. Verses 5 through 8, he says, my hope comes from God. He says, my salvation and my glory depend on God. Trust in God at all times. Trust, hope, depend. And then look at verses 9 and 10. The same set of concepts and words is repeated. Verse 10, place no trust in oppression or false hope in robbery. Don't set your heart on wealth. David is contrasting two things, two places where we might hope, trust, depend on and set our hearts on. Our restlessness, then, is an indicator meant to lead us to ask, where is my hope? Where is my trust? What is my heart set on, really? And David's lesson was this. I recovered my rest when I realized two things. I had a misplaced faith, and I had a mixed faith. He had a misplaced faith and a mixed faith. In verses 9 and 10, we'll start with 9 and 10 verse. I know it's uh, first. I know it's out of order, but I want to look at 9 and 10 and then come back to verses 5 through 8. In verses 9 and 10, David says, in bringing my restlessness to God, I was able to get the scales out. Can you picture with me scales? David says, here I needed to get the scales out again and weigh the things that I was trusting in. And he goes through them one by one. He talks about common people. They're only a vapor. Important people are just an illusion. Common people, important people. He's talking about all people. He says, a vapor, an illusion. Status and significance, finding that in people and what they think. Well, whatever position that I'm able to attain in life. He says, I'm only keeping the, warm, the seat warm for the next person to occupy this position. Whatever people think of me can change in an instant. Then he moves on to human strength. He says, trust in human strength, that's a false hope. Inevitably, it ends up leading to oppression, to stealing from others, forcing others to do what I want, taking from others in my search for rest. What about wealth? He says, it's never enough. It won't allow you to rest. The more wealth I gain, the more I have to lose, the more I have to be anxious about. There's always more to be gained. The point of verses 9 and 10? Approval, success, control, power, wealth. He says it's all vapor, it's all an illusion. You take all these things and let's pull out the scale. And he says in verse 9, they weigh less than a vapor, less than a vapor. What does a vapor weigh? There you go. There's a picture of a vapor right there. How much does that vapor weigh? I don't know the answer to that question, but it probably weighs less than nothing. It's floating up in the air. It has no weight. It has no substance. To be at rest, to be truly at rest, we have to ask ourselves, what am I really Trusting in, hoping in. Where is my heart really set? And everyone lives by faith in something. The object of our trust, the object of our hope, whatever our heart is set on has to be stable and strong and solid so that when we get into trouble, we can endure that trouble and not be shaken. We can still be at rest. Sometimes we say, when we're restless, when we're anxious, we hear people say, well, you just need to have faith. You just need to have faith to get through. But the question is, faith in what? It's not the amount or the sincerity or the strength of our faith that puts our souls at rest. It's the object of our faith. And David realized, no wonder I was so restless. This is what I was trusting in, a vapor. He had a misplaced faith. He also realized he had a mixed faith, verses 5 through 8. You see verse 5 is almost identical to verse 1. You see the difference? Verse 1 is a statement, a statement of what is. But verse 5 is a command. It's an imperative. Who is commanding who? David is commanding himself. He's saying, I lost sight of what is, and so I needed to talk to my own soul. I needed to preach to myself and say, my soul, remember what is. He had to preach to himself. And he realized he didn't need new information. He needed to believe what he already knew. He needed to rest in God alone, that he alone is my rock, that he Is enough. The most important word in Psalm 62, and I think the most challenging part of this psalm, is contained in one tiny little Hebrew word. And I have a little tradition for family services. I like to teach all the K through fifth graders one new word. Here is your word. The word it's a Hebrew word, and it's this, Ak. Go ahead and say it, Ak. Just two letters in the English, A and K, Ak. It can be translated in two ways. What does Ak mean? It either means alone or surely. Alone or surely. You'll see it translated both ways. And so the question is does it communicate exclusivity alone or certainty surely? I think the answer is yes, both. The point of Psalm 62 is that the more exclusive my trust is in the right object, the more certain my trust will be, the more at rest my soul will be. If you're a math person and you like equations, let me say it like this. The lesson of Ach alone in Psalm 62, can be broken down into four equations. The first is faith in God plus nothing equals rest. Second, faith in God plus anything leads to restlessness because what we are saying is God is not enough. I need God plus. And whatever we add to God, that's our real God because that's what we're looking to, to provide us with rest. That's our real rock and stronghold and salvation. Two more equations, if God plus nothing equals rest, then Psalm 62 is saying it's also true that God minus anything, God minus anything, it's still possible to rest. If I'm losing strength, if I might lose status and significance in the eyes of others, Psalm 62 says, we can still be at rest, alone. David said, I learned through my restlessness that my faith was mixed, but rest is found in God alone. Let's wrap up with this final point. Where rest is found, how rest and when rest is lost, how rest is recovered, and finally, how rest is guarded. It is, unfortunately, so easy for us to misplace and mix our faith and our hope. We can get to a place of rest. We can experience some of what Psalm 62 is describing. In one minute, and the next minute, we're in a place of restlessness and anxiety. Our hearts get noisy and anxious and busy, and we're back there. In our, in our house, um, we have four boys in, in our home. And sometimes it can get loud inside the house. Somebody's having a conversation over here. Somebody's just singing randomly. Somebody's shouting over here. And I'm trying to talk to Amelia, and she's like right here. And she can't even hear what I'm saying. So when it gets really noisy in a room, in a family, what do you do so your voice is heard? You yell. I might not seem like I'm much of a yeller, but when it gets really loud and everything in the house, we have to yell to say, like, stop, I need to talk, I need to think. And sometimes that's all, that's the only resource you have left. The loudest voice wins. I think that's what verse 11, the closing statement of Psalm 62 is telling us. It's a little hard and tricky to understand. It says, God has spoken once, I have heard this twice. What does that mean? I think David is saying, God has clearly communicated. He has shouted something in his word. And I'm just learning it over and over again. He says, let me leave you with this. This is something simple. It can cut through all the noise. It's what God is shouting from beginning to end in the Bible to us. And he says it's this, it's power or strength belongs to God, and faithful love belongs to God. Strength belongs to God, and faithful love, covenant love, unfailing love, gracious love, belongs to God. That's what God is shouting. So when it's noisy, when it's all full of commotion, when you feel like your life is so busy you can't even listen, let God shout these two things to you. I have strength. I have gracious love. When those two things come together, we can let go of anything we think we need to rest and find rest in God alone. This is how this psalm leads us to Jesus. Because in Jesus is where we see God shouting, these two things the most clear. Power and grace come together in Jesus. Power without grace is terrifying. We don't know if it's for us or against us. Grace without power is nice, but helpless to defend us, to deliver us to do anything, but grace and power together. When those two things come together, if those are on my side, what could possibly shake me? That's what God is shouting to us at the cross. We look at the cross, we hear God shouting, you have all the security you will ever need. He loves you so much, He will die for you. He will never let you go. He's showing it. He shouted it to you at the cross. All the status and significance you could ever want, it's yours in Christ. You are a son and a daughter of God. All His love is towards you will never, ever leave you. All the strength you need, all the power of God is for you, the power that brought Jesus from the dead is on your side. Be at rest. Friends, you can trust in Him at all times. You can pour out your restless heart to Him. Jesus, Jesus is our refuge. Let's pray. Our God, the one who is our rock, our stronghold, our deliverer, it is so hard for us to wait in silence especially when we have all these what-ifs swirling in our minds and in our hearts. And I pray that you, even this morning, would allow us to pour all those things out to you and to remember, to remember what is, that you are a God who is worthy of all our trust. And you have shouted to us in Jesus who said, come to me, all who are heavy, and weary, and he will give us rest for our souls. May we lay all other yokes down and take on that yoke this morning. May we grab a hold of Jesus, and may you give us rest in him. We pray that in his powerful and gracious name. Amen. Would you stand with me? Close.